As John cruised down the highway, the soothing voice of his favorite podcast, Memory Arcade, filled his car with thrilling tales. He was engrossed in a story of adventure when he noticed a stranded motorist on the side of the road. Without hesitation, he pulled over and offered assistance. Hey there, looks like you could use a hand, John called out with a friendly smile. The disheveled man scowled, eyeing John's car. What's that you're listening to? Some boring podcast? Turn it off and never turn it on again, you pathetic loser. John frowned, taken aback by the man's rudeness. It's Memory Arcade, the most captivating podcast out there. The host tells the most incredible stories. The stranded man snorted. Podcasts are a waste of time. I'd rather listen to real music and eat my own teeth. John's generosity wand in an instant. He nodded, his expression hardening. Well, I guess you can wait for someone who appreciates your taste in music to help you out. I refuse to help rude assholes like you. How dare you talk about Memory Arcade like that? With that, he revved his engine and drove away, leaving the ungrateful piece of shit motorist in the dust. John knew he made the right decision. After all, he couldn't lend a hand to some miserable fuck who couldn't appreciate the magic of Memory Arcade. Welcome everyone to the Memory Arcade Short Stories Podcast, where nostalgia meets insanity and the past collides with weird, bizarre stories. Get ready to dive headfirst into the dark, twisted corners of our minds, because, well, why not? Um, welcome everyone to the Memory Arcade Podcast. I am your host, Ben, and I got a great episode. Uh, I got two more stories. I can't stop telling these stories. They're addicting. They're just so good. Uh, you're gonna love these these stories. This podcast is meant f- is uh, is geared for nostalgic memories. You know, stories from the past, stories from a long time ago. Uh, I hope you're somewhere nice and comfortable, relaxing, enjoying your favorite drink, just kind of kicking it. So I got this very first story is actually something that I've been sitting on for a very long time, a few years actually. And I can't believe I am just now getting to it, okay? Now, this is a little bit different from the other stories I've told on this podcast. This is this is about a detective, okay? Detective Detective Richard Baggs. Rich Baggs. He actually was a detective. Now he's a private investigator. And uh, he, uh, he goes on some incredible journeys. He does. And actually... Had this idea a long time ago. Um, I was wanting to tell this on another podcast. Never got around to it, unfortunately. But you know what? I think I'm going to bring it to life on this one. 
You know, if you like detective stories, uh, no, you know, um, new film noir kind of type stories and stuff, you're going to like this. It's very romantic, but it's also very, there's a lot of suspense, a lot of, you know, a bit of mystery to it, you know, just, just like a detective story should have. Um, the name of this is called, this is going to be the first part of Detective Richard Baggs. Okay, so uh, get your favorite drink, relax, enjoy the story, and let's go. Richard Baggs had spent most of his life chasing shadows. As a private detective, he had solved countless mysteries and exposed hidden truths. But tonight... He was facing a mystery of a different kind, the loneliness that had crept into his life over the years. His dimly lit apartment felt emptier than ever as he sat alone, nursing a glass of scotch and watching the evening news on the television. The headline dominated the broadcast. The mysterious serial killer strikes again. The city was gripped by fear as the elusive murderer continued to elude the grasp of law enforcement. Richard couldn't help but immerse himself in the news coverage, his mind working through the details, trying to solve the puzzle from the comfort of his living room. As he leaned back, contemplating the unsolved crimes, his phone buzzed, startling him. He picked it up to see a message from an unknown number. Hey there, handsome. Dinner plans for tonight still on? The message was accompanied by a winking emoji and a picture of, of an enchanting woman with sparkling blue eyes and a radiant smile. Rich blinked in disbelief. The text was clearly meant for someone else. Perhaps the woman had entered the wrong number, by mistake. Instead of ignoring it, however, an unusual curiosity tugged at him. Loneliness had a way of making a person yearn for even the smallest connection, and he decided to respond. Wrong number, I think, but dinner sounds good. Where should I meet you? Richard typed back, half expecting no response. To his surprise, the reply came almost instantly. OMG, I'm so sorry. I must have messed up the number. But since you're game, let's meet at Angelo's downtown. 8 p.m. Richard hesitated for a moment. He knew that this was an odd situation, but he found himself longing for a break from his solitary life. He agreed to the dinner date and began getting ready. At 8 p.m., Richard arrived at Angelo's, a cozy Italian restaurant nestled amidst the city's bustling streets. He felt out of place, dressed in his usual casual attire. Amidst the dimly lit ambience and couples sharing romantic moments, the hostess led him to a candlelit table where a beautiful woman sat, her eyes scanning the room anxiously. Hi, Richard said cautiously, pulling out a chair. The woman's eyes were shocked as she stammered. Oh my goodness, you're not, I mean, you're not who I was expecting. Richard smiled sympathetically. I figured as much. Wrong number, remember? Just then, the entrance door chimed, and a man entered the restaurant. He was tall, dark-haired, and had an unsettling air about him. 
The woman's eyes darted toward the man, her face paling as she whispered, That's him, the one I was supposed to meet. Richard's instincts kicked in. He watched the man closely, and something about him didn't sit right. He noticed a small detail, a distinctive tattoo on the man's wrist that had been described in the news reports about the serial killer. It was a chilling connection that sent shivers down Richard's spine. He looked like a murderous piece of shit, disguised as a normal piece of shit. The man joined their table, wearing a charming smile that masked his true intentions. But Richard had already deciphered the puzzle. The news reports of the mysterious serial killer had inadvertently led him to this very moment. As the evening unfolded, Richard kept his cool, engaging in small talk with the beautiful woman while keeping a vigilant eye on the man. He needed to find a way to protect her without arousing suspicion. When dessert arrived, Richard excused himself to use the restroom. As he stood up, he discreetly slipped a note to the waiter, urging him to call the police. Then he turned to the woman and whispered, I need you to trust me. Stay here. Don't make a scene. And don't leave with that man. Richard headed to the restroom, his heart pounding. Minutes later, the police arrived to try and apprehend the serial killer who had been moments away from leering the woman into a sinister plan. But the serial killer grabbed the woman and held a knife to her neck. The police had their guns drawn and warned him not to do anything stupid. And this is when Rick snuck up behind him and stabbed him in the back of the head with a serving knife, and then grabbed him by the face and slammed his head backwards onto a table, making the serving knife penetrate deeper into his head. Blood went everywhere. Rich just brutally killed the serial killer in the middle of the restaurant. Rich explained everything to the police chief. The other police detectives were able to confirm that the mysterious man was the serial killer piece of shit that they were looking for. When Richard returned to the table, the woman looked at him with newfound admiration and relief. They then left the restaurant and spent the night together. She may have texted the wrong number, but in the end, it was the mysterious private investigator who had inadvertently become her unlikely savior. Richard realized, even in the midst of loneliness, he could still make a difference and, perhaps, find a connection worth pursuing in the process. Okay, alright, here we go. So, that's, that was a crazy story. So, Richard Baggs. Okay, so he sounds like a really good detective. He's really good at his job. Uh, unfortunately, though, he is very lonely. You know, that happens, you know, when you're really good at your job and you're passionate about something, you that tends to take up a lot of your time, unfortunately. You know, there's a lot of people that, that work 60 hours a week, sometimes more. They don't, they're tired. They don't have time to socialize. You know, and it, so that's believable, if you ask me. So, you know, he lives by himself. He doesn't have time for really to meet anyone or to start a family or anything. He's focused on his job. He sounds like he's he's probably really good at his, going off the story. I mean, he was able to uh, piece uh, 
that this guy was the serial kill the mysterious serial killer right away you know so unfortunately you know he's lonely sitting in his apartment and uh he gets a text he gets a random text from an unknown number and it says hey dinner you know talking about dinner plans and stuff and he's like i didn't make dinner plans with anybody but hey i'm gonna respond to it anyways i am so lonely i'm going to respond to this wrong number i guess he knew that this person was close by i mean same area code it's believable but uh i mean he I mean, I think this was kind of weird. I don't think I would ever do this. I would never just say, hey, I don't know who you are, and you definitely did not mean to send me this text talking about dinner dinner plans, but I'm going to meet you. I'm going to join you anyways because I'm so lonely and I'm desperate. I mean, that probably wouldn't work for a lot of people, but, um, I mean, it worked for him in this story. So, I mean, that's good for him. Uh, I would not recommend that. And also, if there is... A serial killer out and about if you're this woman sending the text wouldn't you know this wouldn't you know that there is a serial killer on the loose I don't think you know talking to a stranger agreeing to a stranger to meet you on a dinner date um, is a good idea I don't think anybody would do this anyways especially with a serial killer on the loose that does not seem um, uh, well thought out in my opinion but you know what? Uh, not all not all these stories lead to you know not 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 everybody has bad intentions though, you know, and that's what that's kind of what this story. You know, you might take a chance and text a stranger, and they might be they probably could be a good person. But uh, in this day and age, internet there's there's a uh, there's catfishers. You know, there's people that catfish out there. There's weirdos, psychos. Uh, people you're more likely going to get somebody that's just going to scam you. You know, then then you know, meet you up and murder you. They're probably going to take five hundred bucks or more from you. So, but anyways, um, yeah, I thought, I think that was a little weird. But uh, moving on, you know, so you know, he he shows up to the restaurant, and uh, he introduces, you know, he see, and then she she acts shocked. She was like, "Hold up, you're not my date." As if she didn't like just agree to it like I don't know an hour before this happened saying like oh sorry my bad sent you the wrong yeah I'll meet you at Angelo's 8 p.m. I mean she literally told him the place and the time and then she's gonna act like act like she's surprised that he showed up I don't know maybe she's not used to date showing up yeah <laughs> I don't know I think that's kind of crazy but um okay all right so moving forward you got uh, then just so happens the actual date showed up the actual date and you know the, the detective is a little put off about this guy at first you know he's a detective he's natural at this shit he can sense um a creepy motherfucker from a mile away i mean he's used to dealing with them he investigates them he researches them he profiles them you know he's he's looking at case files all day he knows what these people look like and he saw him. He saw him. He saw a creepy dude walking in, and he just—he could just tell there was something off about him, you know. So using his detective instincts, he paid attention and he stayed. Now, okay, now this is this is probably the most weird uh, thing about the story to me. So, okay, so he shows up, and she was like, "Oh, I'm not supposed to meet you," like you know, you know, acting all surprised, even though she she set it up. But then the actual date kind of shows up. And I guess he doesn't say anything about, um, 
a, like a whole fucking other guy being a part of this date sitting at the table with them. I think that's kind of funny. But um, anyway, so I guess they're all three just kind of sitting there. <laughs> You know, I don't know, man. If you're a serial killer and you're trying to, like, leer a woman, I don't think you want, like, a third wheel um, with with you. You know, that's that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, honestly. But um, anyway, so that's where we're at. So now Yui have a triple date at this table. All three of them do not know each other at all. One of them is a detective. One of them is a some person. And the other is this woman who is very bad at coordinating dates. Okay. So anyway, so that's when, I guess when the guy sat down, the detective noticed that he had these tattoos that matched the reported tattoos on the news, you know, from eyewitnesses of the serial killer. And he was able to connect the dots. And then that's when he kind of took matters into his own hands. You know, he, you know, he alerted the, the waiter to call the police. He whispered to the woman, say, hey, don't leave with that man. He went off into the bathroom, waited for the cops to arrive. And this is when shit went crazy. So he went from a hotshot detective to like a brutal, he's, he's a badass, but he brutally murders this dude in the middle of the restaurant from in, a, in the most brutal way. So when the cops arrived there, the murderer... Um, I guess he tries to fight off the police or he tries to, you know, resist arrest by taking the woman hostage, holding a knife to her neck. And this is when Detective Rich Bags fucking, you know, just walks up, grabs him by the face. No, he stabs, he takes a serving knife and stabs him in the back of the head and then grabs his face and just slams his head back onto the table and makes the the knife penetrate further to his head and then out his face in the middle of the restaurant. Blood went everywhere. Now imagine you're just sitting there. You're eating your your steak, your flamion, your fucking uh, chicken alfredo. You know you're eat- you know what I'm saying you're just in this restaurant and you're just you know what I'm saying you're you're you know you're on a date and everything, and all of a sudden you just see this. You see a guy brutally fucking murdered like this, like it was a, a Friday the 13th or like a Jason Voorhees type of type of kill. That shit is fucking wild. This detective did not play around. He fucking took him out, and this is probably why he's not an actually an active officer anymore. It's probably because of shit like this. But um, anyways, he still saved the day. I mean, shit, he did the right thing. Turns out that that guy really was actually the mysterious serial, kill- serial killer that the cops were looking for. And he took his ass out. No questions asked. I mean, what else does he need to know? What's the point of a jury? What's the point of a judge? Just take his ass out right then and there. You know what I'm saying? Just take a fucking serving knife and stab his ass in the back of the head. I mean, wh- what else would he wait for? What is he waiting for? I mean, he's holding a knife to her neck. You know, so it's either him or her. Or the cops were going to shoot him anyways. I mean, I think he did the right thing. I think anybody in this situation would do the, you know, do the right thing and do what he did. Maybe not as violent like that. Maybe he would just like, I don't know, do what the guy in the last story did and hit hit him over the head with a frying pan or something. Knock his ass out. Or overcut his balls and, you know, make him explode in his, 
and his cargo pants. Yeah, cargo pants. So, yeah, I like this story. I think, uh, um, you know, it, well, I don't know. I like the ending of the story. I definitely did not like the beginning. Well, because I just don't think you respond to a... Um, I, I know you're lonely and, and everything, and you're and you're desperate, but don't respond to a don't res, don't respond to a wrong number. Do what I do when you get a wrong number. You immediately block them because there's probably somebody that's going to try to scam you out of five hundred dollars or more. You know, or they're going to try to catfish you. Okay, don't be these idiots out here getting catfished or getting uh getting scammed. You know, and that's the problem with social media. It's the problem with Instagram and Snapchat. Too many sex bots. You know, if you don't know the motherfucker, if you not, if you have never met them, if you never seen them in person, if you don't have any mutual friends, don't talk to them. Don't accept their friend request. Don't conversate with them, because it's a bot, and they're trying to scam you and ruin your life. They're trying to empty out your bank account. Okay? They're trying to ruin your marriage. They're trying to expose you. Okay? Yeah, don't fall for that. So, yeah, I don't like responding to uh, unknown numbers and stuff like that. And then he pretends to, you know, th then he's all like, hey, I know this is safe for me, but I'm going to respond to it and I'm going to, you know, join them on this date. Nobody does that. Nobody does that. And if the woman on the other end is accepting of that, she's probably going to try to kill you. Bottom line. That's just it. You know, she's going to kill you or she's she's up, she's definitely up to no good. Uh, so, yeah. I don't, I don't like that. that. That whole part of the story is bad. Red flag. Suspicious. Throw it out. Throw that part of the story out. We don't like that. Okay. And then the middle part where all three of them are at the table, you know, Okay, I mean, if you're a serial killer and you're and you're trying to lure somebody in, you know, into doing so, into killing them, why would you why would you be okay with a third wheel being there? A dude that is obviously a fucking detective. Okay, so that that part I don't like it. This story does not get good until he stabs him in the back of the head with a serving knife. And just grabs him by the fucking face and just slams him his head back when it penetrates his skull. And the like the like and the knife just kind of pokes out of his face. That's the best. That's my favorite. That well, that's not my favorite. I don't want to sound like a psycho, but that's when this story got good. Okay, so and then at the end it was it was a happy ending. You know, she she realized that she was very lucky that this guy detective guy showed up. So, you know, saved her life. Um. And, uh, yeah, so I like this story. I would rate this. if Now, if this was a movie, um, I think this movie would definitely bomb. It would bomb because nobody would have... There are too many plot holes. There's too many too many leaks out in this. And there's too many bad decision making. You know, a point of a good story... Or what helps a, a story is making these characters likable and relatable. And make them do things that you think... The audience would do if they were in that situation. Nobody in this in that situation would do anything anybody did in this fucking story. So for that, I'm gonna give this story. Uh, I'm gonna give this story a good four out of ten. However, though, de you know, Detective Richard Bags is obviously a badass. 
that in itself is worthy of a sequel. So be on the lookout for a sequel to Detective Richard Baggs. If you enjoyed that last story, you might enjoy this one. However though, this story is nothing like the last one. This one is, I mean, we got some seriously hard-hitting action here right now on this episode tonight. I mean, this one is absolutely insane. It's bonkers. Uh, no matter how you look at it, it is absolutely outrageous. The name of this episode is called Bowling Alley Beatdown. And it it is the most bizarre turn of events that I think I've ever read in a story. Probably since the last episode. And it is full of hard-hitting action. So relax and enjoy the story. Let's go. It was a Friday night. And the bowling alley was buzzing with excitement. Five friends, Mark, Sarah... Mike, Lisa, and John had decided to spend their evening indulging in some friendly competition on the bowling lanes. Laughter filled the air as they cheered each other on, taking turns rolling their heavy balls down the polished wooden lanes and drinking a hell of a lot of beer. As they were in the midst of their game, the atmosphere in the bowling alley took an unexpected turn. The entrance door swung open, and in walked a group of five stunning women, turning heads as they saw shade toward the counter to rent their bowling shoes. Mark, always the adventurous one, saw an opportunity. Hey guys, check them out. Let's have some fun, he whispered, nudging Mike. With a mischievous grin, Mark approached one of the women who was busy selecting a bowling ball. Hey there, he began. I couldn't help but notice you from across the room. Do you have a name, or can I call you mine? The woman looked up, surprised by Mark's forwardness. Before she could answer, though, the atmosphere in the bowling alley shifted once more. The door swung open again, and this time a group of burly football players and matching jerseys swaggered in. The leader of the footballers, a hulking giant named Chad, noticed Mark talking to the woman. His face contorted into a scowl, and he approached with his teammates in tow. Hey, buddy, you better step away from our ladies, Chad warned, his voice dripping with aggression. Mark's friends gathered around him, and tensions escalated quickly. It seemed like a fight was about to break out between the two groups. With fingers pointing, voices rising, and chests puffed out. But then, Chad had a different idea. With a wicked smile, he proposed, instead of throwing punches, how about we settle this like adults? A game of dodgeball with bowling balls. Mark and his friends exchanged hesitant glances. It was a strange proposition but it was certainly better than getting into a brawl. They reluctantly agreed, and the bowling alley staff and the bowling alley staff cleared an area for the unconventional game. The two groups lined up on opposite sides of the makeshift dodgeball court, their hearts pounding with anticipation. 
The bowling alley fell silent as everyone watched, wondering how the bizarre showdown would unfold. Chad signaled the start, and chaos erupted. Bowling balls whizzed through the air as both teams dodged and weaved, ducking and diving to avoid the heavy projectiles. Bowling pins clattered and a sound of collisions filled the air. Mark's team quickly realized that they were at a disadvantage. The football players were agile and had the upper hand in terms of strength, but Mark's group had something the footballers didn't, teamwork and strategy. They coordinated their throws, creating distractions and opportunities to catch their opponents off guard. As Mark's teams faced off against the football players in the intense game of dodgeball with bowling balls, they quickly realized that it was a contest with its own unique rules. One particular rule set this unconventional match apart. Headshots were perfectly legal. The bowling alley staff had ruled that as long as it was a direct hit to the head, it was considered a legit a legitimate move. It added an element of surprise and strategy to the game, and everyone had to be on high alert to protect themselves from, from potential headshots. As bowling balls flew through the air, the players on both sides had to duck, dodge, and weave, not only to avoid getting hit, but also to strategize their own headshot attempts. It was a risky move, but when executed successfully, it could eliminate an opponent and turn the tide of the game. Mark's team quickly adapted to this unique role, realizing that well-placed headshots could be the key to victory. They aimed carefully, their throws precise, trying to catch the football players off guard with headshots that left them stunned and out of the game. The football players, initially taken aback by the legality of headshots, soon embraced the challenge, launching their own daring attacks with enthusiasm. The game became a wild spectacle of flying bowling balls, shouts of surprise, and bursts of screams and moans from the pain. In the end, it was the skillful use of headshots that secured Mark's team's victory. They had mastered the unique rules of the game and outwitted their opponents with well-timed headshots, as the final bowling ball flew through the air and struck its target in the head, knocking them out unconscious. A few people in the bowling alley erupted in cheers and applause, as most of the crowd was also unconscious from being hit by flying stray bowling balls. Despite the intensity of the match, the survivors from both sides emerged from the dodgeball showdown with relief on their faces. Bonds forged through a scary and deadly experience. The ruling that headshots were perfectly legal had added an unexpected twist to the game, making it a night most would never remember due to brain damage. All right, so here we go. So we got a game of dodgeball, but with, okay, so, all right, so this is crazy. So, you, you know, you got these group of friends, they're just hanging out at the bowling alley, you know, like, you know, like we used, I used to, me, me and my friends used to hang out at bowling alley, alleys all the time back in the day. But anyways, you got a group of friends hanging out at a bowling alley. And then, and then this group of women walked in who got their attention. And 
that made one of them go up and you know drop drop a pickup line try to talk to them and stuff and and see if they were single and then that's when the football team or the footballers walked in and noticed that the that the men were talking to their ladies and uh i don't know and in this story it does not say that these women were the football were the footballers girlfriends or anything so i don't know why the footballers you know were treating the women like they were their possession like they were theirs and nobody could talk to them but anyways that's besides the point uh, so you know a fight broke out but you know one of the footballers chad he was like you know what instead of fighting how about we have a fun game of dodgeball but you know they're in a bowling alley so what do they got to throw bowling balls you know <laughs> dodgeball with bowling balls you know it's like a regular game of dodgeball, but with a higher risk of death. In regular, in regular dodgeball, you might try to catch the ball to get someone back in. Well, here you try to catch a bowling ball, and all you're going to get is a free trip to the emergency room. That That's what this game is. I mean, I couldn't imagine what I would do in this situation. However, though, you know, bowling, you know, bowling balls are cutting. They're, they're not light. you got to be strong as shit to fucking throw them and launch them. I don't know why their game plan wasn't just to fucking sit, you know, stand back as far as you can. I mean, I guess you want to try to win the game. And if you're not as strong as, you know, as your opponent, I guess you're going to want to have to get closer. That makes sense. This game is, it's already wild in itself. But who was the fucking psychopath that made the rule that headshots were perfectly legal? That person needs to be investigated. Like that, <laughs> I mean, that is insane. Bowling, I mean, okay, so you got dodgeball with bowling balls. Headshots are perfectly legal. It's pretty much anything you go. This is pretty much dodgeball uh, sponsored by the WWE. <laughs> this is spo sponsored by Vince McMahon and some other crazy asshole that, w that said headshots are perfectly legal. I mean, I don't know, my strategy, what would my strategy be in this game, okay? So my strategy, if I was in this game, and I'm, okay, fuck, fuck winning. If you're in this game, I don't care about winning this game. I'm trying to make sure that I'm still coherent. You know, that I still have, you know, that I still have some cognitive skills. That I'm still, uh, you know, that I'm not going to be bedridden for the rest of my life. I'm not trying to end up in a an emergency room or in a coma this this whole concept just sounds insane so in and headshots are perfectly legal well of course I'm, I'm blocking my head i'm going to try to catch the bowling ball and i'm going to stand back as far as i can and uh yeah that would be my strategy stand back try to catch the bowling ball and hopefully you're one of the few people left if it's a one-on-one -on -one situation you have a higher chance of winning you, you just you just like in a regular game of, of dodgeball, you would pick up a regular ball and use that as a shield. Well, you would pick up a 12 or, a, you know, pick up a 12, 13 or a 14, pick that up and then shield your face with it. And then once they're, once they, you know, they get rid of their ball, drop it. Then you just kind of, then that's when you take, when, you know, when they're, when they're weaponless that's when you run up and you just spike the bowling ball in their face. Just like the good old days in gym class. You know? So, 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely doable. But however, though, I mean, the stakes are definitely higher in this one because you can definitely kill somebody with a game of, of uh, bowling ball, dodgeball, where headshots are perfectly legal. I don't know. Would you do this? Would you play this game? I don't think there. Uh, I don't think. This, I mean, I don't think this game would be legal anywhere. But I can definitely see some like underground, some pop-up underground dodgeball leagues where they try to just use random stuff. You know, there's the, you know, for, if you've seen the movie Dodgeball, they say, hey, if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge anything. Well, how? Let, let's take that and apply it to anything you can throw. If you can dodge a bowling ball, you can dodge a regular ball, or <laughs> you can dodge anything, for real, so, I don't know, this game might be more fun. The fact that you could die, raise the stakes, and actually might make it more appealing to, to the psychopaths of the world, you know? Um, I can see that a game like this being sponsored by a local hospital, or, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, uh, yeah, so... This is, I would not play this game. However, though, I do like this story. I do like that, you know, instead of fighting, you know, fights are kind of overplayed. Brawls are overplayed. Anybody can fight. You don't have to be, a, uh, you know, you don't, because a lot of, you don't have to be a big shot to start a fight anymore. No one's impressed by that anymore. Because all you're showing is your weakness. You're showing that you get aggravated easily. And you let the lowest of the low get under your skin. That's all you're doing. You're just exposing yourself. You know what I'm saying? The real ones, they sit back. They sit back and they watch and they observe. And they don't act until the aggressor makes a move first. That's how that's how real mother that's how real people in this situation handle these types of things. That's why fights are not the answer. No. You want to, you, no, you want to challenge your opponent to an actual game, okay? You want to challenge them to a game, something like dodgeball, where not only you got to show off your strength, you got to show off your agility, you got to show off your brain, and you got to know, and you just got to, you know, outsmart your opponent. So, and it's just, and also it's more fun. And a regular game of base, and a regular game of dodgeball, not very many people get hurt. But um, and uh, in bowling ball, dodgeball, you definitely you definitely will get hurt. But um, anyways, it's a great story. Um, I mean, I don't know what other kind of. I'm trying to think of what other kind of. How could they? How could you make dodgeball just as exciting as bowling ball, dodgeball, but with a less chance of death? Um, I don't know. Maybe they can start throwing pool ball you know pool table you know pool balls at each other you know throw an eight ball at somebody you know <laughs> or um or something like that or 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 heck i don't know get into a paint get into a gunfight yeah i mean that's i mean honestly what's the difference i mean just get into a gunfight um some i don't know some might want to get penetrated by a bullet instead of whacked in the head with a bowling ball and get in, go into a um, a forever long coma. So no, don't get into a gunfight. That that's terrible advice for me. Um, just play the game how it's supposed to be played, and it's fun, and everybody will laugh. Everybody will have a good time, 
I do not recommend uh, dodgeball with bowling balls. However, though, it sounds funny as shit, and I would love to watch it, but I would never, ever want to ever want to participate in a game like this. So, I don't know. Would you, though? Would you? Would you play this? Are you that crazy? Are you that crazy motherfucker out there that's like, I want to watch a bowling ball at someone's head? Is that you? If you're out there, I want to know. I want, I want to know... Please, please respond to this. Please let me know. Reach out. I want to hear more about you because you said because you're probably an interesting person. You're probably somebody I want to ha- talk to on the podcast to get to know because that is some crazy ass shit. That's some interesting ass shit. And uh, yeah, so please reach out. Anyways, I hope everyone liked that story. Um, what did I think about that story? How would I rate it? I think that would be an excellent comedy drama i think it was um or a suspense or something like that it kind of kind of gives squid game vibes a little bit with the you know consequence being pretty much death you get whacked in the fucking head with the bowling ball pretty much you're going to die or go into a coma it's going to you're not going to go into that bowling ball fight or that dodgeball fight the way you, you went into it that's for damn sure but um anyways it, it's good. Good story. It'll be a good comedy. I like the teamwork. I love the teamwork of that. Um, I liked how the friends, they just kind of got together after the guy made a stupid decision. Actually, you know what? I take that back. He didn't make a stupid decision. He made the right decision. If you're single and you see somebody you like, whether it's at a, a, a bowling alley or if it's at a club or a bar at your job, I don't care. If it's at a wedding... I don't care if you if you're single and you see somebody you like, walk up to that person and tell them, and it, well, don't tell them you like them, but walk up to that person and introduce yourself, and introduce yourself, and in the first three seconds, that person is going to reveal, is going to reveal if they're attracted to you or not. In that first three seconds, they're going to either give you their time, they're either going to talk to you or whatever, or they're not. You know, it's going to be. It's going to be very friendly if they are into you back. Or it's going to be awkward as hell if they're not. Unless they're shy. If they're shy, then you're going to have to, uh, you know, then you're going to have to work a little bit. You're going to have to try to get to know them on the side from other people and ask around and stuff like that. But bottom line is, if you see somebody you like, you're single, don't stare at somebody. Staring at somebody is not going to make them, uh, it's not going to make them come and and jump in your arms it's not going to make them come up and talk to you i would say eight out of ten women don't approach men or or other women the first time they hardly ever make the first move so if you're a dude you got to make the first move and then if you're a woman listen to this make the fucking first move you don't have to you don't have to you don't have to fall in line with that statistic do your own thing fuck I mean, we don't got, I mean, who's got time for that? But we're all frustrated here. Everyone, I'm married. I'm happily married. But people are frustrated with that games and stuff. Just, if you see someone you like, tell them. Go up to them. Introduce yourself. Get to know them. Ask them. Do small talk. You know, it doesn't have to be hard. Most people make it hard. And you know what? If you get a text, answer it. Answer it as soon as you see it. Don't wait. You know, I hear a lot of people that ask, like, oh, 
How long should you respond to a text so you don't seem desperate? That's bullshit. People know when you see a text. People know your availability, especially if they've known you and they've been texting you for a while already. They know. They know you. They know your patterns. They know what you're doing. They know if you're looking at your phone. Answer the damn text. Don't be fake as shit. No one's got time for that. Don't waste anyone's time. Everyone... I think that's the most important thing is here. Nobody wants their time wasted. All right. If someone is giving you their time, it's because, you know, they're into you. They're not going to commit. They're not going to commit all that for no, for no reason. Bottom line is you see somebody in person, you, and you're, and you like them, you're attracted to them, go up and introduce yourself. Okay. You might get rejected. So what? If you know, I'm just I'm just saying, like, if you're lonely and stuff, like, you got to take, you got to do things out of the order, out of the ordinary, to turn corners. You know, don't wait for a turn of the corner that's never going to happen if you're not going to do anything to make it happen. You know, this podcast is not a relationship advice podcast. I don't even know why I'm why I'm going into this so heavy, but uh, I think it kind of fits the theme you know, of the story of all these stories, you know, a lot of people dealing with loneliness. It just seems to be such a trend nowadays, you know, and it doesn't have to be. And uh, that's, that's my only advice is just make things happen. If you see somebody, talk to them. Someone sends you a text, answer it, answer it right away. Because guess what? If you wait five minutes to text back, that might be two other, two other people that are texting them already. And now they have their attention too. you know, And now they're talking to them. Now they're not going to respond to you for hours. So think of it that way. All right. All right. That's it. That's all I got. Um, Man, podcasting by yourself is wild. Uh, I never thought I would do this. I've always been a kind of a guest, kind of like having guests on or, you know, podcasting with other people. I've always been that kind of like, I've always been a podcast host where I host other people on a podcast. Never been the lone, you know, been the lone wolf. But, um, yeah, um, I hope you enjoyed these stories. I hope um, you enjoyed my commentary. If you like this podcast, please like, follow, subscribe. Do whatever you got to do to track this podcast. Find me on Facebook. Find me on Twitter. Find me or X, formerly known as Twitter. Find me on, uh, I'm not on, I am not on Instagram. But you can find me on TikTok. Let's look for Memory Arcade. Shoot me a like, a follow. Uh, let me know what you think of the podcast. Let me know if you got some stories yourself. I'd be glad to tell them. Um, tell all your friends about this. Tell all your neighbors about this. Go back and, and rekindle things with your ex just so you can tell them about this podcast and then dump them and then dump them again. Um, do what you got to do to get the word out, man. Because this pod, I feel like this podcast is, it can help so many people. It entertains so many people. There's so many fascinating, inspiring stories. I got more in the vault. I got so many things coming. It's good. It's crazy. Okay. All right. So um, everybody out there, stay safe. Call your friends. Check in on your friends. Check in on your family. Call your crush. Text your crush. Don't get hurt if they don't text back. That doesn't mean anything. Nothing against you. People are in their people are in their heads too much these days. All right, everyone's in their head. Everyone's 
worried about if they're making the right move. People are being so calculative. And, you know, being calculative. You, you, you know, so you can't think of, don't think of, you know, don't think that you're getting rejected or it's anything personal. All right. It just may not be the time yet. Or they're just not the right person. And the other person out there is waiting. You know, so either way, don't give up. I bet, you know, happiness is out there. And, uh, and especially, I mean, you might already be happy and that's great. But, uh, yes. Anyways, I appreciate all of you. Thank you for clicking on this podcast. Thank you for listening to these stories. And, uh, just keep on going. Keep it going. Later.